This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Wednesday, November 29th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. The embattled Consumer Financial Protection Bureau has a new temporary director, Mick Mulvaney, but it took legal action to determine if he'd take over. The strange and revealing fight over the powers of CFPB shows its structure is basically incompatible with the Constitution and proper accountability. Cato's Thea Brooke-Knight comments. Does what this judge has to say about uh, CFPB and who is the rightful heir to the uh, helm of that agency, does that actually end this as a matter of dispute? Not really, no. Um, This ruling was on what's called the Temporary Restraining Order, or TRO. This is a sort of emergency action that uh, can be taken where usually there's some sort of imminent harm where the parties rush to the courthouse and get the judge to issue a ruling um, to stop something that's going to happen right away. So this is really a sort of preliminary step. Um, It's not an action that's appealable, um, but this does not mean that English can't take further legal action to try to pursue her claim. And Miss English, of course, is the the person who was designated by Mr. Cordray as he was has decided to leave CFPB uh, the Friday after Thanksgiving. He decided to leave uh, and had designated his chief of staff as assistant director, and then she would become director uh, at presumably at that point. Yeah. So. Richard Cordray, who is the director of the CFPB, had announced earlier in November that he would be leaving at the end of the month. Um, His term would end in July, but uh, there are speculations that he might be pursuing other options right now, and so he decided that he was going to step down uh, before the end of the month. And he had not at that point announced a specific day, but the president has started talking about how his intention was to appoint his uh, director of OMB as the interim acting uh, director of the CFPB. So the director of the CFPB, this is a position where there has to be a presidential nomination who's then confirmed by the Senate. That is expected to be something of a process. It always is. And in this case, this is a very contentious agency. The nomination process and the confirmation process for the director, I expect, will be something of a battle. Um, So we need some sort of acting director while all of that is going on. Um, There is an act that allow a piece of legislation that allows the president to appoint an interim acting director or acting head of of different executive agencies. Um, And so the president relying on this power had said that he was going to appoint Mick Mulvaney to that position. He had not actually made that appointment yet. Um, And so some of the news coverage has been a little bit confusing because what happened was Mulvaney's name had been floating around for a while and uh, literally on his way out the door um, on the Friday after Thanksgiving, Cordray announces, today's my last day. And by the way, my chief of staff is now going to be the deputy director. And according to a provision in Dodd-Frank, the uh, deputy director becomes acting director if the director is absent or unavailable. There was some dispute early on about whether absent or unavailable included a vacancy um, or if it just re- you know applied to something temporary like the director is having surgery. Um, everybody has kind of agreed that it should apply to a vacancy. And so now there's this question of whether um, – Cordray's nomination as he's going out the door controls or whether the president's does. So 
Uh, the president, after Cordray left, said, no, I'm going to appoint Mick Mulvaney. Um, so, yes, the president's appointment occurred, uh, you know, official naming of Mulvaney happened later in time than Cordray's naming of English. But uh, unfortunately, some news accounts have made it sound like Trump's appointment was uh, a reaction to uh, Cordray, and it wasn't. Mulvaney's name had been floating around for a while at this point. It just hadn't been official. All right. So, you know, as a as a broader matter, this really speaks to the idea of creating an agency. One of its features is that it is not particularly accountable to either the president when it comes to leadership or staffing or Congress when it comes to the funding of the agency. This is a very unique agency uh, with regard to uh, its level of accountability to elected branches of government. Yeah, and also in terms of how much uh, balance there is within the agency. So a number of the financial regulators are created as independent agencies with some level of protection uh, from, you know, they're not, uh, the heads of the agencies are not removable at will by the president. What's unique about the CFPB is that it is headed by a sole director. So if you take some of the other financial regulators, um, for example, the CFTC, which regulates uh, commodities and futures, or the SEC, which regulates the capital markets, these are headed by uh, commissions made up of five commissioners, no more than three of whom can be of the same political party. So you have not only... Um, you know, a number of different people who may have different opinions, but you have built in a sort of ideological diversity. Also, if any one of those people steps down, uh, you still have, you know, a remnant of four at least commissioners. You know, right now at the SEC, we have three commissioners because we're waiting on two more nominations. But you still have a number of people who are able to carry on the business of the agency. Other agencies that are headed by a single person, for example, uh, the Department of the Treasury, those are under direct presidential control. So, you know, if Mnuchin stepped down tomorrow, nobody would doubt the president's authority to name another, um, name somebody to take his place. We've discussed the uh, whether or not this poses an opportunity to uh, get rid of this agency once and for all as a piece of Dodd-Frank. It was certainly a part of Donald Trump's uh, campaign rhetoric to that Dodd-Frank has to go. And of course, CFPB is a part of Dodd-Frank. Does that opportunity, is it bigger now than it was a few weeks ago? It's bigger, but it was so small a few weeks ago that meaning that making it a little bit bigger, I don't, still don't think that that makes it likely. Um, you know, this agency has unfortunately been around for a while now. And even the seven years that it's been around is enough to, I think, entrench it far enough that I don't see anybody getting rid of it anytime soon. Now, there has been some talk about changing the structure of it, um, making it into a commission like the other agencies that I mentioned. I still think that there's not a lot of appetite for doing that. I, I still find that very puzzling because one of the advantages to having a commission is that every side gets one of their people or a couple of their people there all the time. One of the reasons there's such an intense fight over the directorship of the CFPB and why it's, why it's been so contentious is that this sole director structure with 
insulation from the political process means that one person has a huge amount of power. And so there has been a very clear ideology behind Cordray's leadership of the CFPB. And the intense fight against Mulvaney has been an, a fight to preserve Cordray's vision. And, you know, Mulvaney, I think, has a very different vision of how he would like to lead the agency. And if you had a commission, it would not be these huge swings. I mean, one of the problems with this is that if you're talking about financial markets and if you're talking about business, what people want is certainty. You know, they would prefer to have fewer compliance requirements, but if you know what the compliance requirements are, you can at least price them in and start moving forward with your whatever it is you're planning to do, knowing that you're going to be in compliance with the law. When you have these big swings in policy, it's almost impossible for business to foresee what's going to come down the pike and prepare for it. And business becomes really, really cautious. And that's not good. That's not good for growth. That's not good for innovation. That's ultimately not good for consumers. What about the structure of the agency uh, in in terms of its actual design? This was something that uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts wanted in the Dodd-Frank uh, legislation. And again, she sort of seemed to pitch this as the benefit that there is a stark and strong benefit to having an agency that is engaged in this task of consumer protection, consumer financial protection that is not accountable. Yeah, I find that to be a very strange way of viewing this. Um, I think that it really dismisses our entire political structure in many ways, which is that I do think that Congress and the executive are ultimately accountable to the people. I can see that there are problems with that kind of accountability, that there are, you know, sometimes unsavory, unsavory connections between certain entrenched interests and our government, which is not great and results in legislation that is not good for everybody, that is good for a small special interest. And I think that that's a problem. But I don't think that the solution is to say that we're just going to insulate parts of our government from the influence of the people altogether. That completely dismisses the structure of our constitution. So what should happen to the CFPB, obviously, it, uh, I, I hope your view is that it should go. It should go away, or at least be folded into some other uh, more traditional agency. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is one option. You know, one of the things that the CFPB was designed to do was to take all of these different laws on consumer finance and put them under one roof. And one of the problems with our financial regulatory structure right now is that we have so many regulators. And anybody who is trying to operate in this space has to go to several different regulators and make sure that they're in compliance. And sometimes these regulators contradict each other. And so if we could have some sort of process that streamlined this, you know, I'm not necessarily opposed to having consumer finance all under one roof. What I do have a problem with is adding new layers of regulation. Um, now, I, you know, as I said, I don't know that this is going to go away. I think that the best solution, which is one that many other people have put forward, is to have this become um, a, a bipartisan commission. I think that would be a much better structure. Um, one of the solutions that came out of the House Financial Services Committee last year in the uh, Choice Act was to have the powers of the CFB PB considerably reduced so that it would be purely an enforcement agency. It would not have the kind of supervisory rulemaking authority that it has now. That would be better than what we have at the moment. Um, all of these would be much better than the current structure. 
Thea Brook-Knight is Associate Director of the Cato Institute's Financial Regulation Studies. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play, and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 